Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome, everybody, and welcome to another version of Bill Roden on Sports. I'm here out and about in an undisclosed location somewhere out in New York, uh, up New York. Uh, but Jamal Murphy, my friend and co-host, as usual, is holding it down. Jamal, what's up, man? What's up, man? Yes, holding it down out here in the city. Beautiful day, of course. We got, uh, we got a special guest today. Uh, someone you know right. we, we both know well, um, uh, Nabate Isles. He's a Grammy-winning right. trumpeter. That's, mm. We got we got big time stuff up here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, man. There's no, you know, it's, it's not a game in here. Brian and Kobe. Right, exactly. <laughs> Grammy-winning uh, trumpeter. He has a new album uh, coming out, Eclectic Excursions. Um, it's out July 20th, so definitely check that out. But he's also a sports guy. Uh, he's a producer. Uh, for NBA Today on Siri on Sirius XM NBA Radio, uh, with hosts Justin Termini and Eddie Johnson, uh, definitely check that out. That's entertaining, and, he, and he's the he's the man behind the scenes. Beyond entertaining, it's nuts, but it's a great show. Yeah, it's a great show. I, yes, I was indeed. I was listening to it all before the before the draft, and we're gonna get into that. I was listening to it before the draft. That's and, right, and Bruce they, Bowen. That yeah. Bruce Bowen interview was deep. Yeah, yeah, he had a lot of good stuff over there, you know. Bruce Bowen's boy. Oh man, he went on. Yeah. He went off on Kawhi. Wow. Yeah, that <laughs> made, oh, that made yeah, yeah, yeah headlines indeed. indeed. You know, so we got all three of us here today. We were, like I said, we were at the NBA draft on Thursday last mm-hmm. week, and uh, a lot going on with that. It was an entertaining uh, draft. I thought a lot of interesting things happened. Yeah. You know, Bill. Bill, what was your take on it? Uh, the Knicks lose again. Well, actually, actually, I shouldn't. I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that. I mean, I thought it was entertaining. I've been. I was following um, the Carter family around. Um, oh, Wendell. You know, Wendell Carter. Mm-hmm. Wendell Carter, senior, junior. His mom, um, Tyler Carter. I sort of, you know, was with him during the week because uh, we've been talking. Actually, started talking to the Carter family probably beginning when he was deciding whether to go to Harvard or Duke. And just sort of following him through that, so I was happy. You know, he was getting kind of nervous, man. When all the big guys were taken, you know, uh, he was getting kind of nervous, thinking it would be one of those disastrous uh, evenings. <laughs> but um, I, I mean, I thought, I thought it was. Um, I don't. I wasn't terribly surprised by a lot, uh, except maybe um, Young was a little, a little surprising. But I was mm. curious what you guys think. I mean, I don't know about that. You were sort of a and, and you too, Jamal. You guys are kind of sores of this stuff. And I even think the Knicks, the Knicks drive was okay. I mean, the worst thing they could have done was got Michael Porter. Because if they would have got Michael Porter, you know, he would have gotten hurt going up steps. Right. You know? So, <laughs> right. you know, yeah, well, no, I'm just curious what you guys, what you guys thought. Well, go ahead, Nabate. Oh wow. Well, I I think the Knicks had an excellent draft actually. Uh, Kevin Knox, very steady offensive player, stretch four when he grows out to be a stretch four. He can go, and he has length, too. So um, he's around 6'9 yep. or so, so yep. he can get to 6'10 
be a good stretch. His game, his offensive game is a lot like Tobias Harris. Mm. Very steady, can hit mid-range shots, can hit the three-point shot. Um, also, another thing is that he needs to be a better rebounder. That's the thing, you know, right. to be able to, to bang inside and rebound. And Tobias, same thing. Tobias isn't really the rebounder that he could be. Um, but their games are very similar. The Knicks needed something steady. Uh, Michael Porter right. Jr., I think high risk, but a certain high reward. He can be a perennial all-star if he's healthy, but that's could and if, you right. know. Um, right. But Kevin Knox is someone that's steady, someone that they need. They need consistency offensively that, with KP getting hurt. You know, now they don't have that offensive presence. Who else is there? So at least with Kevin Knox, they can depend on him. He can give you 13 to 14 in his rookie year. He'll get a lot of space and opportunity, a lot of minutes. But Mitchell Robinson could be the steal of the draft. Right. Uh, he was mm. supposed to be a lottery pick if right. he went to college. Right. And his athleticism's off the charts. He's seven feet tall. Right. This what a pick for the, I wow this is what made I think the Knicks had an A minus draft right. to me like for wow. sure wow. you know they, when's they, the last time they had an A minus when's the last time they had a B draft <laughs> well remember 2006 I believe or 2005 when they drafted um, they had Wilson Chandler Nate Robinson and David Lee I think the Decent. same draft pretty good that was you know pretty good. three good pros right. you yeah, know yeah, they but, all they all lasted and, even though even though there was no chemistry well, but, with but, that team right. you know, they but, lasted but, for other people saying, but they, man, exactly. there was absolutely no chemistry. <laughs> right. See, you know? what, remember what did Larry Brown say? Uh, but he said he thought Nate Robinson was more interested in being a highlight, a highlight film than being, a, you know, like a like a. You know, like a, a winner, right, like right, that, right, you know? right, 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 and I and I correct myself. I remember it was Channing Fry, Channing okay. Fry, okay. not right. not Wilson Chandler. Wilson Chandler was the year before. Who's still in the league? Too, and Channing right? Fry still, yes, still in the league. I mean, I don't, pros, not getting much know? playing time, but he's in the league, <laughs> right? You know, which, which is saying a lot. No, <laughs> well, I I totally agree with with that. I think the Knicks did you know very well with Knox and Mitchell, and like you said, Mitchell's a steal. They got him with the thirty six overall, overall pick in the second round. Mitchell, so with Mitchell and Knox, that's two. Top ten guys from only a year ago, and the McDonald's All Americans, right. two top ten high school guys <laughs> for 2017. They were able to get in this draft, and that's you know it's going to put to test the whole Fisdale uh, narrative uh, with his staff that he, you know they're supposed to be great at developing players. Mm -hmm. So we'll see. Um, but regardless, uh, you know, for the Knicks, and and that, and that gets me to to Bill's point, uh, which you know what you said at the draft. You know, I was like, you know, I kind of wanted them to take a chance on Porter. And then Bill brought me back to reality when he said, basically, you know, we got to remember this is the Knicks, and <laughs> <Right>. anything <laughs> anything that can go wrong will go wrong with the Knicks. So if they would have picked him, he would have. It would go wrong that night. Right, right. right. exactly, exactly. And, and, and it's like the Mets this year. Oh. Every question mark <laughs> is, right. is the wrong don't bring, answer. Don't bring up the Mets, man. You, I'm going to start crying. Man. Don't bring up the Tell Mets. Tell me about it. Oh, God. That was a heart attack. <laughs> yeah, no, it's crazy. Oh, man. Nabasa, you're you're a Knicks fan. I mean, you're a Nets, you're a Mets uh, fan. Yes, indeed. Daryl Strawberry, oh, Dwight Gooden, got yeah. me in the sports. Eighty-five. I mean, wow, Doctor oh, K. Wow. Yes, indeed. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Let, let me ask, let me ask you guys a question. I mean, in your 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 mind, you mentioned the Knicks had a B draft when they got around. What constitutes a great draft? I mean, you, I mean, is it night of? Is it two years out? Three years out? I mean, clearly, when you look at Golden State, you know. Uh, they can say, okay, when they got Curry and those guys, that is a great draft. But what constitutes a great draft? Good question. Go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll leave that on you. I think for the current, for the moment of the draft is being able to address your needs, number one. Number two, getting the right value at the right spots. 
Um, and number three, being able to, as the summer league comes around, being a, actually, you know, like going back to the needs, being able to, to, to get players that fit in your system right. and get players that have potential. That, I think that's the key because a lot of teams, they draft and you look and you're like, what are they doing? They have a point guard. Or they have like three stretch fours, right. you know, or they have no big man, no rim protection, but don't take a rim protector. Don't right. take at least a chance on a project that can at least, you know, man the paint. Right. Uh, so I think that's what it is for a draft at the moment, being able to address your needs and then get value. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. And, and, you know, there's two to me, there's two levels. Like you said, the, the night of, you know, did, did you get value? Um, did you get guys that you know m- that maybe were valued higher and you got them late, you know, or guys uh, got you know sleepers in the draft? Did you get one of those guys? But obviously, we don't really know anything right. until right. later down the road. Mm-hmm. And at least you know we're talking about four years, four, four years, years. Later. Four and years even later. you know, and and really, you got to start in today's NBA. You have to start seeing something that first year, pretty mm-hmm. much, unless you got. Well, but a look, total at, look at Boston, right? Right. Oh. You know, I mean, yeah. I, I'm, I, I don't want you know. How it, these pro leagues are such copycat leagues. So you have Boston strike gold, right? You know, with 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 a couple of guys and a couple of second year guys. So, does that? Is, do you think more is expected from these guys? I mean, they're young, but they've been playing a lot of basketball. So, you know, given what happened to Boston, uh, and and actually uh, Donovan Mitchell, out of Utah, right. do you think that more is going to be expected sooner? Definitely, mm-hmm. definitely more is expected. Um, guys, you know, it's a younger league, first of all. So guys coming in now, 19, I mean, that's not so young, really. You know, you're, right. you know the stars in the league are 21, some some of them. <laughs> yeah. So 19, you know, you're expected to come in at least right away and do something and produce and, and right. show some potential where you're getting some minutes mm-hmm. right away. So any, like, let's say, for instance, Knox comes in and, you know, it's almost like Frank Nilakina yeah. last year. He was kind of considered that- a disappointment. I mean, at at this, I don't think you know. I'm not closing the book on him. I think mm-hmm. he could still be a very I think good player. He was handcuffed a little bit right. too. He, yeah, he's yeah. probably handcuffed. Yeah. But I'm just saying, in terms of the reality of what he did, and you talk about it from a fan's perspective, mm-hmm. um, you know, he was probably a disappointment. I'm telling people to calm down, give him some time. Right. But you know, last year was one of the best drafts we've had in a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of these guys stepped up and played. So there's more pressure now, especially this year. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. So so so. Nabate, you, you um, I, I guess, is a great Nabate Isles, a uh, tremendous producer, but just an extraordinary uh, trumpet player uh, and composer. We'll, we'll get into that later, and we'll, you know, congratulations on your debut album. Yeah, thank you. Uh, what, what took you so long? Man? You, you've been, you've been playing. I mean, we'll, I, I'd like to get to this later, but we mentioned that you've been playing a lot of music for a long time. You've been, you've been playing with almost. Everybody, you know, from Christian McBride to, you know, uh, most deaf. <laughs> I mean, you played a lot of people. What took you so long to, um, I mean, all things come in time, I realize. What took you so long to come up with your first album? Well, listen, everybody, we're going to get back to basketball, but I just thought <laughs> No, um, No, that's a great question. And I think um, it's interesting. I've had different paths in my life, um, like musically, of course, but I, I never, it's funny, in my late 20s, I wanted to do my first album. I was very close to going to the studio. And, and actually, I did record like it was like kind of like an EP, but I wasn't happy with it. 
you know, and um, and so I kind of like was just okay, whatever. Let me just uh, move on with it, and then I'll do something like in a couple of years or something. I, but I think life, you know, just hits you. Like um, I think at that time in my late twenties, I started to get into sports media and mm. sports uh, mm. broadcasting. Uh, I started to do that, and and I found myself kind of like throughout my thirties juggling both, you know, and and it's and it's very it's it's it can be overwhelming because you have to be at a high right. level. And, and you have to develop within both mediums. So it was really it was really tough. Um, but I always, you know, I would still have gigs around the city leading my bands and still write consistently throughout the years, uh, still work on things. But I think I, I just felt like this, the time was right, right now, uh, because I, I felt that there was so much creativity that I had and, and so much music that I was still listening to and learning throughout the years. And and also I, I, I felt I wanted to create a legacy for myself as an artist and be able to 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 exhibit my voice. And and now uh, is the time. And, and I did it and started uh, to plan for the album. Actually, I planned in April of last year. I contacted all the musicians who I considered family and friends, like 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 pretty much soul my soul brothers and sisters. You know, um, I gave them a call in May. And and uh, said, okay, late November, the week after Thanksgiving, go into the studio, make sure you block these days out if you're free. And everyone was free. And, and all the people that I wanted to be on this project were on this project. And, and people that I worked with, some, 20, some I've worked with over 20 years. And a couple of people, my mentor, the great Jimmy Owens, uh, great trumpet, mm. uh, legendary uh. trumpet player from New York. Um, he he was my he's my musical father and and I started studying wow. when I was 14 years old. I had to have him on the project and then Brad Jones. Uh, so so Jimmy's known me for over 25 years and Brad Jones, the great bassist, very underrated bassist, one of the most mm. versatile bassists in the world. Uh, he was my teacher at home school of the arts when I did after school jazz programs there. He was wow. my teacher when I was 14, 15 years old. So and we've we've performed together throughout the years so that's how far back i go with <laughs> you know with the, mm. these musicians and and a lot of great people who i'll talk about later on i have to make sure i mention everybody that mm. that lent their um wonderful creativity to this venture yes yeah, I, I actually saw jimmy owens at sister's place uh okay maybe about three weeks ago three or four weeks ago yes he said he was uh, playing there and i was out of town i couldn't make it mm-hmm yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I had a question. You know, we, we get back into basketball, and clearly, I think when I first met you, it may have been around, um, you know, sports circles, the garden or something. Actually, 40, and, $40 million slaves when that book came out. That's when we met, around that time. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, my question, my question is that, you know, you were doing both. You were in both worlds. Mm -hmm. You were in the sports world, and you were in the uh, – uh, clearly in the music world, but um, I wonder if that hurt you at all because I didn't fully appreciate how great you were as a trumpet player because I was focused on you as a, you know, in the sports world mm -hmm. and who, who, who happened to dabble in music. And then I started to hear you and, and it started to hear people talk about you. I said, wait a minute, this guy is really good. Do you think that that, that the split focus hurt you at all or do you think that um, you know, it was sort of a, a, a perfect convergence that you were you were supposed to be in both worlds. I think, or, or they, or both hurt helped you. Oh, I think both ha personally have helped me. 
just to be able to apply apply what I've learned through sports, through technology, um, of being a producer, through hosting, being able to to talk and, and, and express myself and talk about my music and things like that. So I think that dynamic from sports and organizational too, like because uh, when you mm. deal with television and radio, you must be organized, you must have a plan, it must be set and, and push forward. Um, and I think that helped me with my music. Now, my music helped me with my sports. Oh, the creativity, being able to come up with different things. Also, as a producer or as a, as a host, being able to reference music with subjects that know about the music and also being able to play music on radio, mm-hmm. music that, that people don't really know about, not just the typical 90s, 2000 right. hip-hop beds, but you will play some some authentic, like Don Blackman thing, you know? like Speaking, right. speaking like of that, that speaking so. of that, we'll take some music from you if you, you don't mind. We, we'd love to play some of your music. <laughs> okay. Oh, excellent. I'm, I'm down with that. Thank uh-huh. you very much. Absolutely. <laughs> That'd be great. And, yeah. um, but I think, but it did, I, I would say it has hurt me uh, professionally. I think music too, with not recording the album and not pushing myself as an artist as much as I could have. But I think it, it hurt. It has hurt me, but at the same time, though, it helped. It helped me be able to really realize who I am, and um, and through the album, and like it's so like Frank Lacey, the great Frank Lacey's on the album. Oh wow! Um, you know, who played with Art Blakey, one of Art Blakey's last uh, musical directors, and Frank mm-hmm. Frank um, Roots, you know, just wow! It was a great compliment on my video. I have my, a video on YouTube, which mm. is like a documentary of of the making of the album. Where can you find that? Uh, yeah, it's on uh, YouTube on NSI World. My um is my um my channel on YouTube mm. NSI World, and and Frank really said he said he said to me at the session, but then reiterated it uh, during the interview, saying that. You know, he's never been around uh, a recording date that was organized. Everything was scheduled. Everything. Cats knew when to be at the at the rehearsals. The cats knew when to be at the recording studio. Uh, Everything was was seamless. And when he said that, I was like, wow, that's what I learned. Being older, too, Mm -hmm. being wiser, you know, like you took your time. And now now you really know how to do things. Rather, you said Mm -hmm. you you said you had a you know, you tried to come out with an album younger. Yeah. You weren't happy. And I wasn't happy with it. And and I've all and I'm and I'm you know, I'm still I I listen to parts of my plan. You know, I'm so critical of myself anyway, you know, but I, I, I but I I definitely could deal with it better now, you know, with the maturity I've. Uh, obtained as as an artist and 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 just uh, my ascent, you know, with with um, being a better artist and being a better person and what being a better listener. What about sports wise? Have it has how has the music helped the sports, if at all? Oh yeah, well once again the creativity uh, mm-hmm. and also too uh, being able to talk about music with sports people that you know like mm-hmm. uh, you know because a lot. You know, a lot of athletes they know their music, you know, and everything, and, and right. it's really, really a good thing, and they and they want to be around it. But I, I have such a having such you know teaching music technology. I taught music technology on a college level, um, high school level. Taught music was a music specialist on an elementary level, and still teach at Jazz and Lincoln Center, which is a middle school level. So I've taught all ages. Where when you are teaching information, you have to keep. You have to keep internalizing information to make sure you know. And then the questions that your students ask, you have to make sure that you know that answer. If you right. don't know that answer, you better learn it quickly. Right. And I made sure that I would learn it quickly, and that really helped 
gain my knowledge, and especially with technology. I think technology all comes hand in hand. On the album, I have um, two tracks that I that I sequenced that I made, you know, that I did on 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 um, computer. Uh, so I sequenced those tracks, and then and then also laid back the single, which features Elzai and Jordan, the great MC Elzai and Jordan, Canadian singer. That was based off a beat that I made, and then had live instrumentation on it. So that technology it helped me in sports for sure because music technology I, I learned in grad school at New York University. Mm-hmm. Actually, I started it at the Eastman School of Music my senior year doing film scoring, a film scoring class. Uh, oh, and, wow. and I started to deal with music technology. Um, a digital performer was the first program I ever learned and, and uh, then went to NYU and then was able to teach on a college level uh, for music tech. So mm-hmm. that definitely translates to oh, radio and editing and being it. Because let me tell you, editing voices is much easier than editing instrumental sounds sure. and things. Oh my, that's intricate. Mm-hmm. And so when you edit voices uh. and, and just put beds under, like it's, that's a piece of cake. Right, right. <laughs> so. Wow. Uh, why, why, um, why is it, you know, going even back to, you know, uh, Miles and those guys, you know, Miles uh, loved boxing. Miles, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Dick Knight trained. I mean, there, there was always, there's always been this um, uh, relationship. You know, Ron Carter is a huge baseball fan. Oh, what is that, that about? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, what, what is it about um, the, the music and, um, you know, and, and musicians? And, and I, I know back in the day it was, you know, even back at Jack Johnson was traveling with the, uh, the Kansas City Monarchs. But then it was more, you know, um, jazz and, and tradition, or, or sports and traditional jazz, but even now you're listening to, like you said, there is an affinity. Mm-hmm. Why? Why is that? Why? What's the basis of that affinity? And do you ha- have many young athletes going to hear? You know, I mean, do you see them, or do you encourage them to go to like the clubs, go to the Vanguard, or or something like that? Or is or is that not really happening? Well, no, that's that's a great question. Well, I'll answer your, the first question. Uh, which is tons of questions. Yeah, yeah, tons of (laughs) questions. But the the discipline, the discipline, the um, consistency of honing your craft, that's uh, the similarity between athletes and and musicians and, you know, and actors and and dancers and any type of artist and any type of of athlete. Um, You have to work on your weaknesses. Uh, You have to put hours each day to hone your craft, to perfect your craft. And that type of synergy is what's created when it comes it comes to athletes and and, and artists. What about entertainment? Um, and enter- and like entertaining. entertaining a crowd or entertaining. Right, exactly. Being mm. able to, because you, and also another thing, knowing your history, taking styles mm. and taking uh, 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 nuances from each of your idols and making it your own and then becoming an entertainer being right. able to, to have your own style right goes for sports like too that. yeah right. yeah absolutely yeah. but but the one thing i'm disappointed a lot of our athletes uh do not know the history of what they do like musicians mm. jazz musicians especially we have to know the history of what we do right. you know that that's <laughs> we have to transcribe those solos and everything like we have and then be able to make our own voice um, it's just um it's it's very it's concerning cuz last week i won't mention the name but i mentioned a, a player that uh was an alumni of this uh draftee school and a player that was very popular in his day 
um, and he never heard of him. And 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 that's the thing. Like wow. I, I'm like, if I'm going to a school, I want to make sure that I know all the alumnus that are playing in the NBA that were all stars. I want to know those people, and I want to contact those people to be able to have them guide me. You got to take advantage of your alma mater. You know, <laughs> like the alumnus. Right. Like, why do, Why do you think that is? I mean, not, you could say the same thing in in uh, music too, mm-hmm. but it's not jazz. You know, per se, but you know, newer newer new, genres like right. hip hop. You know, the new the new people they don't really know their history as far as that goes. So you think it's generational? generational. It's generational. The whole millennial generation, and then you have some of these millennial MCs who, let me tell you, that I don't want to get started on that right, right. because I don't want to waste my energy. Right, right. <laughs> you know, but but they disrespect the KRS ones and the Rockems and Lonzo Ball. I have to call them out. Come on, you gonna disrespect Nas? Yeah, really? Yeah. <laughs> You know, like, come, uh, you know, right. I'm sorry, you know, like, so that's, that's. What did, what, did he, what did he say? Oh, pretty much saying Nas old, you know, right. no one cares about him. And then he, he, came, met, yeah, he yeah, mentioned yeah, some younger rappers, younger you know. rappers, like Lil Yachty, those people. I mean, I'm sorry, you know, you know, the, and that's the, and let me tell you that I, I still, I'll listen to Lil Yachty. I'll listen to like, cause they know how to craft a, the, that generation knows right. how to craft a song. Right. But when it comes to, to creating an evolution for the art form. It's not compared to, to like a Nas. You know what I mean. So what about what about jazz? Okay, um, you know, mm-hmm. in this generation, how do you, you know? You know, Bill asked you before about are there players that you know, you know, ask about what you're doing, want to see, want to see you perform, or mm-hmm. or just jazz in general. Um, where do you think it is now, and and how and how can can you open it up? To, to ears that are just listening to like hip hop or the new generation stuff like that. Wow, um, where where jazz is going? I think jazz is in a great direction because mm-hmm. the players are younger and they're sounding even more refined, mm-hmm. uh, and that's the technology taking. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. the thing with mm-hmm. the millennial generation, the millennial jazz musicians, they're taking advantage of the technology. Now you have YouTube, you can see videos. Like I I couldn't see when I was coming up, I couldn't see these greats i didn't see what how they looked when they played you know like now you can see actually see their mannerisms how they carry themselves i know that's great right yeah and then you can hear a full record on youtube and everything i I personally was still down like buy it still Mm -hmm. you know um but i remember like i would go to the public library right you know, right near LaGuardia High School, right over there, the Performing Arts Library, take out a CD and then burn it onto audio cassette. And, that, and then I have the album, you right, know? Right. So I, I did that. And, and that's how I would transcribe, too. I would transcribe through audio cassette, you know? Um, but, but yeah, just overall, I think the generation now, I mean, the talent, like, they're taking advantage of all the software and and all the, also, too, the jazz programs that have developed throughout the years, you know, and you have to give give the great respect to to the Ron Carters and the and the Dr. Donald Birds and the Dr. Billy Taylors, uh, who really um, and Dr. Nathan Davis, like the those type of great musicians that are educators, you know, I can and the list goes on and on. Jimmy Owens and Reggie Workman, um, you know, those greats that that built jazz education, that's what has created younger players that have been able to come out and, and, and some of them are ready to, to work and ready to play and ready to perform with all the greats. Mm-hmm. Let, me, let me ask you this. Do you think I, maybe a year ago, two years ago, I did a, 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 um, a talk uh, mm-hmm. with, uh, now because I'm blanking on, on uh, his name, at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Ooh, wow. Um, really a tremendous artist. 
Oh, oh man. I'm, uh, I'm, uh, hopefully I'll think of it by, by the end of the, the show. We are talking about um, how hard it is for fine artists, black fine artists, to, you know, reach like the Metropolitan Opera, uh, you know, the Metropolitan Museum of Art, mm-hmm. or become great, acknowledged great artists. And my thing was that, well, you know, um, you know, the world, or I guess in American culture, we need what's rare. They, they, they what they cannot do is like play basketball and football. Mm-hmm. So they need black football and basketball players to, to fulfill this economic need. Mm-hmm. Where they say, well, we got plenty of artists. I mean, we got plenty of white artists. You know, fine artists. We got plenty of those. But you know, what we can't do is, you know, this basketball football thing, and we, we can't really do that. And I guess. My question to you is: Do you think it's easier if you're a young, if you have two two young people, age ten? Mm-hmm. One is going to be on the basketball track. One is going to be on the, on the who wants to be a musician. Mm-hmm. Who has the easiest track? Um, you know, in terms of so by the time they're like twenty three, who has the, Who would you say has the has the easier track in terms of society? Uh, you, know, you know, black kid growing up in Chicago. Twelve or New York twelve, who wants to be a musician, a jazz musician, uh, and the same kid, his friend, twelve years old, who's on track, he wants to go to, you know, Duke and be in the NBA. You know, who's got the easier track or the more realistic track? More realistic track is the the brother that wants to be a musician. Mm. Absolutely, because uh, the reason why is that music music and any type of art puts you in an atmosphere where you get to meet all types of people and all types of intellectual people that 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 follow the craft that follow the art form even people that aren't musicians but people that that you can meet that can cultivate you know your your knowledge for more things and also too you can uh, create relationships for the rest of your life and also music is all about the rest of your life athletics if you're lucky, you get to the G League. <laughs> That's right. the thing because you look at 15 man rosters, 30 teams, 450 players that are, that go back and forth from the G League. I mean, not of course a small percentage goes back and go right. back and forth to the G League, but only 450. Where in music, you can be, you can play in jazz, you can play in classical, you can play in hip hop, you can play in funk, you can play any anything, you can conduct. There's so many other options, and then you're not even in your prime until you're 50, 60, 70 years old, <laughs> basically, as, right. as an artist. You keep artist. getting better. You keep getting better. Um, so that that is the track, I think. And, and being, I think um, being an athlete, there's no question, you know, there are opportunities, too, you know, for you to make millions of dollars and everything, but there are a lot more people going for that. Um, and you and you have to give the same amount of discipline. You have to be a tremendous, have tremendous work ethic to be able to make it to be a Kevin Durant or LeBron James or Russell right. Westbrook or the the new MVP James Harden. So right. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and thirty day free trial at www.audibletrial.com backslash Bill Roden on Sports. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Again, that's www.audibletrial.com.
com backslash Bill Roden on sports. Check it out. What do you think, what do you think about yeah. the, uh, the MVP, James Harden? Just oh, he deserved it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. no question he deserved it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he, you mean the regular, regular season? Regular, regular season. Regular season. <laughs> regular, regular season. <laughs> no, regular season. Absolutely. And, yeah. What about rookie of the year? <laughs> what about rookie of the year? Did you ben, like that one? Ben Simmons. Yeah. Like ben that? Simmons. Yeah. But they need to change. It's a little weird that he's not really a rookie. Technically. Yeah, right. And and that's the thing. And he actually could have played in his rookie year. It wasn't like he was complete. And Blake Griffin, the same thing. He right. wasn't right. Uh, technically a rookie. And, and David Robinson too. David right. Robinson like took two right. years off. So right. it's right. it's kind of not fair. But but I think what Ben Ben Simmons did was just outstanding. And the fact that they won over fifty games, you right. know, and and, right. and Joel and Joel and B became more effective with effective. I mean, he was already effective as a rookie, but he became more effective, and I think he was encouraged to play more with Ben Simmons. Like, it, it, they really bring the best out of each other, and it brought right. the best out of the process for them to win 50 games and, and be a number three seed. Right. Like, can you believe that? Like, people were talking about that when they won 16 games, straight games at the end of the season, the longest winning streak um, to end the season. I mean, they were talking about them making the finals. <laughs> like, who right. thought about right. who thought they would do this well? I thought they would make the playoffs. I thought right. they would be a seven eight seed. But what an improvement! So what you, ben Simmons and Ben Simmons had a lot to do with that. So, what do you think they need? You know, we talk about if very, well, before we get to what they need. Mm-hmm. Do you like the idea of super teams? Um, you know, uh, yeah. Do you like the idea of super teams? Ah. Uh. Well, I, I, you know what? I think it, it's all about if a team could be able to put a, a, a team together of the best players possible because that's what you're doing as a front office. You're supposed right. to, to right. put the best talent out there. It's like fantasy when we do fantasy sports. It's like you want to get the best players <laughs> that you right. possibly get. And, it's this, and that's what sports is all about. Like, And it's all about the other teams to be able to find a way. It's like playing chess. You have to be able to counter that. Right. Um, so I don't, I don't mind about super teams. And the thing about Kevin Durant – I want to talk about speaking of super teams, mm-hmm. Kevin Durant. Um, okay, I understand. I I was I got on his case a little bit. The fact that he left a team that was one win away and they led three games to one right. over the, the Golden State Warriors. Have you forgiven him to join to join the seventy three win team? But then I thought about it, and going back to what you were talking about earlier, Bill, about young brothers coming up, Kevin Durant. This is more. It was a decision more than basketball. He made that decision because right. Silicon Valley mm-hmm. is right there in the Bay Area. This man, yep. and as you hear, like too, he's looking to purchase his own NBA team, a la Michael Jordan, and he wants to be yep. a billionaire. The way to do that is to be around other billionaires and be able to cultivate relationships. As I was mentioning earlier, like Kevin Durant's thinking like a jazz musician, actually thinking like an artist right. when you think about it. And the community efforts, like he won the, the community award uh, for the NBA awards yesterday. People need to talk about that and talk about the type of person he is. Right. Um, I think he has been unhinged, but it's, I think that happens, you know, where you feel defend, you have to defend yourself all right. the time. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. He's right. getting sick and tired of the criticism, but people need to look at the type of person he is. And also the p- fact that he's looking to build a legacy and to use that legacy to help 
young people like he was right. be able to make it not just in athletics, but to be MBAs, to be to have law right. degrees like yourself, you know, mm-hmm. to have to have uh, uh, d- medical degrees, to be able to build their own startup venture capitalist. Right. You know, he, he's surrounding right. himself with other successful people. I, I always thought that's what you were supposed to. That's do. what you. Right. And yeah. and also, yeah, the super the super team thing also is a label, right? Because. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Magic, Kareem, and Worthy is probably a super right. team also. And I mean, we've always more, had them. More through the front office, as right. we were talking about. Jerry West, the, the brilliant Jerry West, you right. know? Like, they had the first pick overall. Yeah, Red, Red Auerbach. Yeah. Red Auerbach, right. right. People somebody, don't talk about that. Somebody me, yeah, somebody sent me a picture yesterday of uh, Harden, uh, Harden, um, Durant, uh, and, uh, Durant, and um, Westbrook. What's name? You know, mm. Westbrook. That's right. You know, all in the I mean, thunder. they were. Go- I mean, that that nobody told them. I mean, that was Golden State before Golden State. Could you right. imagine that? Right. Somebody made a decision. That's why there's some empires become some you know become empires. Some become defunct. Right. You know, it's, it's a decision. Right. You know, and they uh, were the process before the process. Right. They were tanking oh, those, Seattle, those Seattle Supersonic teams, right. you know. It's kind of it's kind of like, when they traded Ray Allen. Yeah, it's kind of like the country. We had we had Obama who traded him for Trump. It was a big mistake. <laughs> where's, where's, the, where's the country going to go now? <laughs> right, right. And, and the Seattle success <laughs> became <laughs> the opposite. You know, where's because, that empire going? Yeah, right, right. And and they and, and Oklahoma City Thunder, former Seattle Supersonics, because that's right. when they started. You know, building that process. And that was Golden that's State. It. Golden State was organic. I mean, when they won their yes. first title and they got to two in a row. All draft. I mean picks. that's yeah that's draft pick except that's, for Igladala, which was a right. brilliant pickup right and and Draymond know. a great it's about drafting well too mm-hmm. right Steph people people passed on Steph right. people passed on Clay mm-hmm. a lot of people passed on Draymond, Draymond. so yeah. absolutely and then Andre Iguodala acquisition and that's another thing too is all about character because Steve Kerr wanted he said to Igladala immediately and and Igladala was still there with Mark Jackson Igladala could have been difficult. But it showed character, and that's the overall uh, the overall scope of Golden State. Everyone has character. Igudala accepted his role off the bench, and look now, like he has his career still extended, and he's still making good money. Oh, even yeah, yeah sixteen a year, right. you know. So, yep, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, uh, you, yeah, I was watching a documentary uh, of Kevin Durant mm-hmm. uh, maybe a couple of weeks ago, and. You know, if you didn't know anything, if you were just kind of new to the debate about him, it opened up with him talking to some people, accepting the MVP award when he was in Oklahoma. That's right. And they had just come off a really tough year. I think they had lost. I forgot who they were eliminated by. Uh, but the Spurs, he said, San Antonio in the Western Conference Finals, I believe. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he was talking about how he was, how he grew up. And um, it was very touching, you know, how he grew up, you know, kind of tough and all that. Then he was just saying that, you know, my whole life, you know, I always finished second. In high school, I was the second best guy. In college, mm-hmm. I was the second best so-and-so. And he said, I'm just tired of second. And so, and that was before he made the decision mm-hmm. to go to Golden State. And before, that was before they lost they, they lost that 3-1 lead. Mm-hmm. And when you hear that, you understand this guy's sick of it. Right. And mm-hmm. he he's sick of it, and you knew – he knew that as long as he was playing with Westbrook, no matter how much he loves the guy, yeah. they were not going to win an NBA title with that sort of ego-driven kind of thing, yes. you know, that makes Westbrook who he is. But I, I don't think Westbrook will ever win 
an NBA title unless he completely changes his mindset. He's kind of like Allen Iverson. You know, so I think that's a very, you know, when you see that, you say, well, you know, and the kind of guy that Durant is, you know, that's almost like I'm talking about if, if black America kind of be like that. Let's put all the ego aside and let's just win. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, let's and, play the roles and let's just win. Right. And, which is tougher for us because we have people like infesting us <laughs> and, and, and it's almost like they put chemicals in our ego. Uh, there, you know? Right. Right. So it's a little tougher on our on our side to get everybody together because yeah. we, we, it's tough defense. That's right. And and it's so funny. <laughs> and, and, and the thing with Iverson, I, I have to defend Allen Iverson, not because he's my favorite player of all time, <laughs> but the oh, thing is that. I know, <laughs> but seriously, he he was someone that Larry Brown totally embrace what he was all about and put him at the two guard right. and let him be the guy. To, now, that was the problem with Philly was that there wasn't enough talent around AI. That was the issue. There wasn't enough talent around him. And that's but for him to carry them to the finals. Right. And when you talk to his teammates, they'll say that AI would do anything for them. Right. Like and, and that's the thing. That's the difference with him and Westbrook, for sure, because Westbrook, he has the talent around him. He's always had the talent. I mean, look at the players, Victor Oladipo, Sergi Baca, Kevin Durant, and James Harden. And then and then uh, uh, Steven Adams is not really – hasn't developed. Because, right. yeah, like, so you look, at, you look at the talent he's had. And also Carmelo Anthony. They're not using him right because Carmelo should have been more in the post, you mm -hmm. know, slowing it down to right. him to let him get Coaching his Coaching, too. Yeah, that, that's the thing. That, but guess what? It's funny he kind of he has that control over the coaches. I, I noticed. A few like, of no them. one, yeah, that, that was, right. Scott Brooks and, and Billy well, Donovan. Gets, like yeah. he needed a fizz day. They get a pass, right? You need you need a real personality as a coach in that situation. You mm -hmm. can't you can't be in huddles and then nobody listening to you and then talk. They're talking to each other. They you need to respect the coach in that right. situation. Even LeBron. With Cleveland, there that oh. that seemed to be an issue also. And I blame Ty Lue yeah. um, that ended ended that game one. And I I've said this to people. I want to say it out in public. I blame Ty Lue. Now listen, there were mistakes going on. Of course, the bad call with the change, uh, you know, the blocking foul, and also uh, right. Kevin Love fouling Stephen Curry, which was a big play. And then George Hill missing the free throw, and then J.R. Smith. Uh, you know, we all know what he did. But <laughs> but then when you see the video of all the Cavaliers sitting on the bench. And they're just they're they're soaking, and there's no type of communication where it's like, as a teacher, I learned that when the, when the vibe or in rehearsals when the vibe gets out, you have to be able to get everyone circled and focused back on the 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 matter at hand. And Ty Lu should immediately gathered his troops and said, "Listen, forget about it. It's all good. Okay, this listen. This is what we're gonna do." I see some things that we can be able to counter in overtime. This is what we have to do. We got them beat anyway. Doesn't matter. You know, that's what he should have been doing. Drawing up plays, drawing up sequences for them. Everyone would have forgot about it. And you get everyone focused on the matter at hand and how to beat Golden State at that time. You know, until the I don't final, know about that. You know, that was that, that was, was a pretty. That may have been one of the most demoralizing moments oh, in recent NBA history. But, <laughs> that was, but, and, you and, know. <laughs> yeah, that's I see true. What you're saying. But but I've been in right. situations where right. where the attitudes it's been out. But then I find a way. Okay, let's try to circle. Let's you know I try to like you have humor into it. He could have joked about it, said Jr. You know you done you know did a Bill Duke from Menace of Society. You know you done <laughs> right. <laughs> like kind of like joke around. But like okay, let's counter it. J give Jr. the first couple of shots to take. And over time, that's the thing where you, you know, that, that yeah, no, you know, you're right. You're right. Yeah. About so I, I, I couldn't believe he 
got to the to talk to the players the last thirty seconds of that time. I'm like, what? It was a mess. It was. Right. No, no, no. I mean, that, that's that's you know. I think that everybody who wanted to see the upset, people are still talking about that moment. And there's so much blame to go around. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's you know, if if, if, if you know, the thing is, if everybody knew then what they know now, right. of course, mm-hmm. we could have completely reacted differently. You know. Right. Uh, they would have said, "Okay, if if uh, if he misses a, if he misses one of the free throws, this is what we're going to do. If you get the rebound, yeah, I mean, it's you know bizarre. Let me ask you in, in the couple minutes we have left. Let's oh, talk wow. Knicks. Wow, is, is, there so any, fast. Is, there, is there any is, is there any hope? I mean, you guys are both Knicks fans. You both bleed orange and blue. I don't know about all that. Do you see? <laughs> well, do you see any any light at the end of the tunnel? Is there any hope? realizing that the owner makes so much money, he doesn't have to win. Yeah, I I think there is. I think what they need to do is just build. This is my philosophy. They need to get bad contracts. Like they need to acquire Lou Aldang's contract. They need to acquire a lot of bad contracts. So then by 2020, they'll have a chance to sign three max players. Uh, You have to plan it out. You have to kind of, you know, you can't do a process thing where you have a bunch of draft picks and, you know, you don't have that opportunity. But you do have a bunch of lottery picks, so KP is out. I think they need to sign him to the rookie extension right now. They can get a a bargain to sign him at the rookie extension because he got injured. Now, if he didn't get injured, then they would have to pay him Wiggins money. Mm. Pretty much. But you can still pay him for five years and, and still preach to him, listen, we want you to still be one of the major pieces of this organization. But just take this cut. Take five years, 115, five years, 110, you know, and then he's getting guaranteed money for five years and where we don't even know he's going to be the same player that he was, especially with his frame at seven, three. Right. Um, but. They need to do that. They need to then also, as I said, get Luel Dang's bad contract. Get a bunch of bad contracts that, that, that expire in 2020. So then you have a clean slate, and then you still have your draft picks. You still have the Frank Nilakinas. Mm-hmm. still have the Kevin Knoxes. Mm-hmm. still have Tim Hardaway, who's still a decent role player. You still Then you get a top five pick in next year's draft, which is mostly really top heavy. It's right. not really that strong like so this year's draft. So you want them to tank. So, uh, well, they have no choice but to. T- <laughs> well, that's, <laughs> you know, that's the you thing. Cause, yeah, instead of trying to get players that are like, you know, like players that aren't going to that are, that have reached their peak and reached their upside, it right. just doesn't make sense. And then also get bargain players that that are looking to play, like a Tyreek Evans example. Why didn't they sign Tyreek Evans? Now Tyreek Evans, like in his one year with Memphis, was incredible, and he was only three and a half million dollars. C.J. Miles made a huge difference, and Shabazz Muhammad. I don't know why he's. I don't think he's with the team right now. Not right now, like players like that, that players that have something. Lance Stevenson, players that have something to play for, and just sign him for the one year in elite. Those are the type of players you need to have that are that have reached their peak. You know, and they're veterans. Like, mm-hmm. do not have, do not sign people to four-year contracts for forty-four million dollars, and it's like, you know, like, right. what are they going to? Then you're stuck with the contract. Right. So, uh, right. or four years for sixty-eight, et cetera, et cetera. So that's what the Knicks need to do: get all bad contracts, be able to build their young players, 
try to find diamonds in the rough and free agency and through the draft and through the G League. And then 2020, you'll have a good foundation of good young players that are ready to grow, and then you get your two or three superstars. Well, I, I like I like the direction they're going because of Scott Perry. Mm-hmm. They got a real basketball guy in there. Yes, indeed. Uh, you know, great experience. He seems, you know, he's making he seems to be, he's making good moves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like Fisdale. I like that they they got a foundation. Uh, they're preaching this, de- you know, player development thing. Mm-hmm. Now, whether it works or not, we'll see. But I like that. That's what the that's they have a plan from. now. Yes, you know, it's not a stopgap uh, measure with Hornacek. Right. Or, you know, I, I guess they try. I guess Phil Jackson tried with uh, uh, what's his name, Fisher. Uh, Fisher, Derek yeah. Fisher, yeah, yeah. But you know, you know obviously we saw that. And it's funny, Derek Fisher actually was doing a good job his second season, mm-hmm. but he was being handcuffed. Right. Because you know he was forced looking, to play the triangle. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> D. Fish was that's the thing. But he should have been an assistant. But he did he did grow a lot that second year. Right. And also there was some situations off the court which you know yeah. coach a coach should be a coach should be involved in. You know no like, question about that. You know I love D. Right. Fish, so, but uh, I mean real. You know you so, can't have that. You know, and, but and, it's it's, mm-hmm. it's the Knicks. Yeah, right. yeah, That's and, the and, and Jim Dolan, what we're going to be talking about twenty twenty. And I give Jim well, Dolan you know, credit. Oh, I give him credit because he's at least resigning finally to the fact that it's a rebuild, and right. he's saying, "Okay, let me let." And he did let Phil do what he did give Phil the keys, he and he's given Scott Perry and and Steve Mills, of course. Steve Mills doing a great job overseeing everything. Well, he was been there the whole time. Yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. and overseeing like through all the different different you know different people are there. But he works really well with Perry, of course, the Princeton connection, right. and of course, Craig Robinson too. Right. That's someone well, that's we'll, interesting. Good development. Right. So we're, we're not spending another minute on losing basketball. <laughs> <laughs> well, These are like all pipe dreams. I, how, how many years have I heard this? Dan, just how you've been waiting. Yeah. And then, you know, right. hey, listen, I, I, listen, I guess let, a bit. Yeah, let, let's, 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 spend the, let's spend the last the last minute on a Grammy winner. Oh, how about that? You, uh, Nabate, yeah. Nabate Isles. Uh, you got the the album coming out, mm-hmm. Eclectic Excursions, yes. July twentieth. You July have a 20th. you have a uh, an event coming up before that. Absolutely, it's a record release party and uh, performance. It's going to be great. Uh, it's going to be at New Blue One Fifty One, which is on One Fifty One Avenue C on July twelfth. New Blue is a very well known club in New York, and it's uh, they it's it's such a diverse venue of you know of all types of eclectic <laughs> music, and uh, yeah, so I'll be at New Blue on July twelfth. Excuse me, from eight to twelve. And we was, are we on a guest list? Oh yeah, yeah. sure, <laughs> absolutely. Yo, definitely. You, you, you guys, you guys always support me. So hey, definitely. And and um, and Elzai, the great MC, will be performing there. Alita Moses, who sang "Find Your Light" and "Find Your Light" and "Laid Back," "Laid Back" featuring Elzai and Jordan. "Find Your Light" featuring Alita Moses are both uh, both singles on iTunes, Spotify, okay. uh, Google Play, uh, Amazon, everything. Uh, those those singles. So definitely, definitely cop those singles. Uh, everybody but but yeah so they're going to perform tl cross who's a great songwriter will be performing we went to laguardia together laguardia music and art okay so a lot of great guests great musicians and uh the album is uh eclectic and so many great artists and great musicians on that project um and and so many to name and uh so so many great people that's just wonderful and christian mcbride okay, we can. great christian mcbride is yeah. is on there too you know so definitely yeah, well, we can't wait, man. We can't wait to hear the album. Oh, thank well, we're you. Gonna, you're you're going to give us an advance. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And, but, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, but, but uh, 
congratulations, man. I mean, this is really, yeah, really great. I mean, people, oh, people in sports know you for your great production. People in music know you for uh, your music. Mm-hmm. And hopefully soon there'll be a convergence. Yes, so that yes, everybody indeed. knows you for everything. Yes, and, and, and I have some ideas uh, bubbling right now and, uh, you know, looking to uh, try to plan it out and be organized and everything. And also, uh, one more thing I want to yeah, plug, um, So Much to Talk About, which is on Manhattan Neighborhood Network, which is a uh, Time Warner Cable, uh, RCN, and, and uh, Verizon Fios in, in Manhattan. Uh, you can also see the show MNN.org, MNN.org, which stands for Manhattan Neighborhood Network. Uh, it's Wednesdays, 9 p.m., where I do hosting, and I've done interviews. And on YouTube, you can see my interviews uh, where I cover Nick Games and cover the NBA, the NBA draft, NFL draft, boxing, uh, the Mets, everything. It's, it's a blessing, blessing to be able to. And that's what got me into emerging in the sports world as well. Just uh, And I love I love hosting. That's, that's my Love it. I love being in front of the camera, in front of the mic, as speaking or playing. <laughs> great stuff. Great stuff. Right. Great. Nabate Isles. Hey, Nabate, this has been great, man. Oh, uh, pleasure, hopefully, Jamie. we'll have you back soon. Um, we'll definitely have you back during the season. So you yes, can kind of ex- ex- you know, explain this next match. Maybe it'd be great. Yeah, maybe NFL. Anyway, too. Man, hey. A lot of NFL we got to talk about. Oh, yeah. Lot, right. lots, lots of NFL, man. <laughs> NFL is. You know, well, that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. Has the <laughs> yeah. NFL, has, has the NBA surpassed NFL? I'm not, I know that's the narrative. I'm not quite so sure that's, that's true. Well, money-wise, no. Not we'll, yeah, it'll take, it'll take yeah, five, we'll, five to ten years. It'll take five. Mm-hmm. Just like, you know, Harlem being gentrified and <laughs> South Bronx right. getting to that point right. and Brooklyn, forget no, it. Forget Brooklyn. So, yeah, it took 20 to 25 years. So the NBA is kind of halfway there. Like, you know, every 20 years, it takes 20 mm-hmm. years for something to overtake you know so the nba it's, it's taken 10 years for them to grow and i think in another 10 years they'll they'll get by that it's kind of like the yeah. tortoise and the hare right and it, it's, moving <laughs> in, it's moving in the right direction whereas the nfl kind of it's falling asleep yeah. like the hare exactly. <laughs> yeah, we shall see hey nabate man thank you so much man it's been great thank you gentlemen thank you so much pleasure bill pleasure jamal thank you for both for having me so there you have it everybody uh, another tremendous Thanks, thanks to Nabate Isles, a version of Bill Roden on Sports with the great Jamal Murphy. Uh, we'll see you again next week. Take care. God bless. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.